0: ¡Para su hoyo!
1: Good morning and welcome to Wanda's Picks, a black arts and cultural program of the African Sisters Media Network. And that was Zion Trinity Singh opening prayer for the African deity, Eshu Legba, a deity that lets us know that we always have choices. We are never victims, so we should pause, take a breath, and exercise our options. We are never, never uh, trapped or without without um, a means to, to do what's best for ourselves and our community. And today we are going to be talking about race. Uh, race as in uh, David Mamet's play uh, performed last Friday by the San Francisco Recovery Theater to much acclaim. It was a really, really good uh, virtual production. And the cast is going to be joining us today at 9 a.m. in about an hour. And before we do that, um, actually, um, let's see, how many years ago? I don't know. Oh, yeah, I do know. Um, nine years ago, uh, November fourth, um, 2011, uh, Susan Haywood uh, was joined us to talk about her role as another Susan, the character in A Mammoth's Play Race, which was at that time uh, being performed at or mounted by ACT San Francisco, American Conservatory Theater in San Francisco. So we had a really wonderful conversation, and I'm gonna play that, followed by an interview with uh, uh, Jeffrey Greer, who is the executive director and also the director Executive Director of San Francisco <laughs> Recovery Theater, but he's also the uh, director of this particular uh, production of Race that I can mm-hmm. mentioned. Uh, was um, it was a collaboration with Piano Fight and San Francisco Recovery Theater, and it was aired in Zoom. and He said that if there is enough uh, of a um, of in- enough interest that they could actually perhaps remount it again. So that would be really exciting because, like I said, it was really great. I think I watched it a couple of times. Yeah, it was really well done. So, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and just play this uh, interview with Susan um, Haywood, and, uh, and then we'll be back for a little bit of a conversation, and then I will play uh, Jeffrey's interview. So, um so tell me about this play, Race. I mean, what a provocative title. <laughs> like, I think, yeah. yeah, the playwright's
2: pretty interested in being provocative. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: uh, well,
2: I guess the uh, the short speech is that uh, it, <laughs> it takes place in the law offices of Lawson and Brown. Mm. Uh, it's uh, this part law partnership. Uh, one partner's white, one partner's black. And... They wake up one morning to find the hottest news story has walked into their office. A rich white billionaire is accused of raping a young black woman.
0: Hmm.
2: And um, it's about the two partners and their recently hired law associate, a black woman, trying to scramble to figure out if they should take the case, if they do take the case, how would they argue it, how would they try to defend him, and um, the situation brings up everybody's particular prejudices and and beliefs that they have about race, and kind of um, puts it in the forefront when usually we're able to kind of operate behind closed doors with that kind of thing.
1: Wow, and you are that young woman, huh? That's who you portray. Yeah,
2: I portray the uh, young law associate.
1: Wow. Wow, that is so amazing. Gosh, it reminds you of um I'm trying to think, um oh gosh, there's this play and I can't remember the name of it. I'll have to go back in my memory banks. But it was based on a um uh I think it was based on a true story, but what happens is um, this woman's sort of, um, well, actually, no, I think it's, I'm trying to think. No, it is, it's another one of Lynn Nottage's, the um, Fabulation. Oh, Fabulation. It's not, it's not a Love rape, Lynn but, stuff. yeah, yeah, well, I know you do, you were in Ruined. Yeah, <laughs> uh. yeah so who, were you at, in Ruined that came out here to Berkeley Rep.?
2: I was not. I joined the company after they opened in Chicago,
1: Mm.
2: and I was able to understudy for them while they were in New York. Um, Originally, I had hoped to play the role of Sophie. Oh. Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Which, you know, it actually worked out, because in the end, I got to understudy Mm -hmm. uh, Sophie and Salima. Mm. um, And, oh, my goodness, the third one. My I'm thinking of Cherise, the actress, and that's other the character. Yeah,
1: Sophie Salima um, and Mama Nadi. Um, and, and then we have... Um, uh, Josephine. Josephine, Josephine, yes. Josephine who Josephine. likes, because um, we just read the play in my class <laughs> Oh
2: my goodness, how old were the, the
1: students? Uh, college
2: Oh, that's, oh, yeah. I'm so glad, I'm yeah. so glad that that play is, is getting consumed by as many people as possible mm-hmm. um, Luckily enough, I got to understudy all the girls, uh, hmm. except for my mom and Adi and I was able to go on for all three So You a, did,
1: you played all three of the women?
2: All three. Oh yeah.
1: my! Wow. Amazing. Well, like not all and like like every night. You weren't a different one, right? Not not every <laughs>
2: night. Uh, you know, there was a there were a couple times because the the cast had been doing the show since Chicago, so they've been doing the show for months, and mm. there you know there was a time when they got pretty tired. So I was glad that I was able to step in when they needed me to, so give them a rest. You know. Mm. Wow! Wow! And now, what uh, what's your character's name? Uh, it's funny. My character's name in race is Susan as well. <laughs> no. <is>. Oh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's too funny. Has this ever happened to you where your character was your name? You know, this is the first time. <laughs> this is the first time. Wow, wow. So what do you do, wear some kind of crystal to separate or what? <laughs> <laughs> you know
2: what? This this character takes herself into places I would never, ever go. I think, hmm. you know, she, she has a really deep love of, justice and she's really in love with the law Mm -hmm. and um i think part of her journey in the show i don't think it it would give away too much enough Mm -hmm. to to talk about how her she has a real hard time trying to figure out if the law uh always gives justice i think you Mm -hmm. know being a minority in this country we know that law and justice don't always go hand in hand so um for her this character to put herself in that position to really, really try and make that work, that's something that I give her a lot of credit for. I kinda I stick to the arts and mm-hmm. <laughs> you know try to help the system from outside and, and not really from inside.
1: Mhm. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and is is it a contemporary, um uh, set like it's. Are we in 2011? We're in 2011. Mm. Uh, the playwright. It's very interesting.
2: You know, usually you know how it is when you read the beginning of the play. The playwright can be very specific about the setting and mm-hmm. where it takes place. David Mamet was re- really quiet. He he starts the play at the interior office, and then the dialogue starts. Mm. Um. So he's left it way up to uh, the artistic team to decide where we are, what city we are, what time we are, we we had a lot of conversations about what time period
3: mm-hmm. and
2: uh, what city, and I think we've decided, we've definitely decided that we're in present day, um, and we've kind of let the audiences uh, try to figure out where in America we are, I think David Mamet, Mamet might be trying to make a point that it's it's a snapshot of all of
1: America, not one particular place in America. hmm Right, yeah. Yeah, there are, you know, audience talk exchanges because there's, there's no intermission on the play. It's, what, 90 minutes? That's entry. right. Yeah, yeah. Right. and and I was wondering when I was looking, like, why why do they have all these, like, psychiatrists and attorneys? And now <laughs> I know. Okay. <laughs> makes sense like okay it's really interesting so mamet um you know he's you know sort of looks at a lot of controversy and this particular play has not necessarily been well received um if you look at the reviews I was wondering why did he decide why did he want to sort of broach this topic um uh you know about race and 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 sexual exploitation you know um you know in violation why do he want to you know Stage it like this Why You know Did he he talk about You know Sort of why This play now Well I feel like Well one I I think it's We always
2: have to Talk about it I think we get Mm -hmm. Ourselves in a lot Of trouble When we stop Having difficult Conversations When we just decide That everything's okay And the status quo Should be as it is And we stop Challenging ourselves To go deeper Um, So I think Any Piece of art um, that makes us ask tough questions. I think mm-hmm. it's important. If it makes us uncomfortable, whether it's well received or not, if we if it's a conversation starter and and makes people ask questions that they normally wouldn't have, I think I think I did my job. I think that's what I'm supposed to do.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and I think now more than ever, um, working with the play it really made me realize that even though the title is race. There's all these things that are mixed up in, you know, one, the lies that we tell ourselves about people based on their race mm. and how we present ourselves to the world based on race. And it's not, you can't just kind of separate that one thing about a person. It's also their social economic status. It's also, you know, are you a male or female? That has a huge effect on, on how you move through the world as well. And so while race might be the... The spark or the the thing that's difficult to talk about, mm-hmm. it opens it up to talk about the conversation to talk about who we are and how we are with each other,
1: Mhm, right, yeah, so uh, I was reading that you received your your acting training at Carnegie Mellon University and at the Moscow. Art Theater, the School State of Acting. Acting. Well, oh, I got yeah. to spend uh, a semester
2: in, in Russia.
1: Okay. Uh, okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. So are you a New Yorker? Or
2: where are you from? Well, I'm, well I'm, I, I say I'm from the East Coast. I spent okay. <laughs> uh, my, my childhood split between Philadelphia, and, mm-hmm. uh, Pennsylvania, and Charleston, South Carolina. Mm-hmm. And then now after school I'm based in New York. That's kind of where,
1: where I'm based. So I'm all over the East Coast, right. North, South. <laughs> yes, yeah, so you have a, you know, uh, sort of a perspective on on American culture. Well, yeah, a very particular one. Being out in San
2: Francisco has made me realize just how East Coast I am. I didn't really know. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, but you're you're in the land of Wall Street uh, takeover, right? Occupy Wall Street. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's
2: been it's been real interesting to be away from New York and be outside of it to watch that kind of start there and, and spread. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm yeah. excited to go back and see see what it's like firsthand.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so have you had taken a stroll over to Occupy San Francisco or caught the bar over to Occupy Oakland? Or? You know, I
2: haven't.
1: I've been kind of wrapped up in, in the
2: show, and then when I'm off, I've kind of been enjoying, you know, very mindless, <laughs> <laughs> <the> right things.
0: <laughs>
1: but I
2: am planning on getting over there before I leave. Have Have you been
1: able to go? Oh, yeah, yeah. There was a speak out against police brutality on oh. Saturday because, you know, they exploded. They, they N- noise bombs uh yeah. in Oakland last week on monday and and then they just went crazy with tear gas, you know injuring lots of people. I saw this woman who was bruised on her leg from a um a rubber bullet, and i didn't I've never seen what the damage a rubber bullet does I mean her whole thigh was black
0: oh
2: man
1: yeah yeah and and then tomorrow is the general strike calling for everyone in Oakland to not show up for work. Yeah, so I'm giving my students, I tell them, well, if you if you want to take an excused absence, because I'm in Alameda, even though Peralta Community Colleges is Oakland, mm-hmm. I'm in Alameda, and we have two colleges in Oakland and one mm-hmm. in Berkeley. Mm-hmm. So I tell them, well, you can take the day off and have an excused absence. Just write something about it.
2: Yes. <laughs> Just make it sound good on paper.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, write my little essay. <laughs> Yeah, so it should be interesting to see what happens like, you know, what percentage of people are going to actually participate in, you know, um, you know, be able to send send the uh, city government a message that, you know, we're not going to tolerate this, you know, this excessive use of force when they could have just spoke to the people, you know, mm-hmm. who were, you know, mm-hmm. occupying, you know, City Hall Plaza. Yeah. So anyway, so it should be interesting. You know, as well as interesting as as your play. Well, <laughs> Probably much more interesting. Put <laughs> on different different type of interest. Yeah. 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 So, you know, one thinks about, um, you know, rape as, as a weapon of war or a tool to use to manipulate and control one's movement.
0: Mm-hmm. And,
1: and, and you think people are, like you think about, you know, this character you're portraying, you know, she's at the top of her game. She's an attorney, but yet she's not insulated or safe from that. Um, you know, what does that say about, you know, our society? What does that say about, you know, the world we live in? And, uh, yeah, I was wondering, you know, sort of what do you think about that? Tell us more about your character.
2: Oh, wow, that was a lot. Um,
1: you can I, take it off in little pieces.
2: <laughs> uh, well, I think, <clears throat> and I guess I could start with the using, you know, rape as as a weapon of war, mm-hmm. Um. Without giving away too much of, you know, what happens in the show, the,
0: mm-hmm.
2: what, oh gosh, how do I say this, um, the sexual relationship, the, okay, I'll, I'll say it like this. I was uh, I attended a talk back with a whole lot of lawyers after the show, after mm-hmm. one performance, and mm-hmm. one female lawyer brought up the idea that the show talks about the definition of rape. Uh, For a long time Rape was uh, You know Someone A man physically Forcing a woman To engage in intercourse And then The term date rape Came along And said that You know If someone You knew Forced you to have sex That included Rape as well And then after that It was You know The idea that A husband could Rape his wife You know For a long time It was It was just a husband Getting what he deserved You know And In this instance The lawyer said that You know Maybe the idea of engaging in, you know, paying for sex is another form of rape. If you've got a woman who has no other option to support herself but then to sell her body, is that another form of rape and exploitation? Hmm. Um, so that, when she brought up that point, that was a very interesting, you know, topic to bring up to see if we can expand that idea of of rape and maybe go towards ending the sex trade in general, mm-hmm. <laughs> which, which I would certainly... Uh, be, be supportive of So there's I think that Is one thing I, I think You know This character She knew when she was Signing up to be a lawyer That she was entering A man's world You know There's an old boys club There's going to be A very long Long climb Up a very long mountain That's stacked against her um, So I think she's very sensitive Of her position In this world As a woman And as a black woman I think a lot of people, depending on who they are and what they bring to the show, are going to decide that she's either overly sensitive because of who she is or that she is right on the money and that she should be speaking up and speaking out about the prejudices that are against black people and women in in that kind of environment.
0: Hmm.
1: So, it's a lot. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, Hmm. Was she surprised um, at, the, you know, at her reception? Um, this woman, I was looking at some of the other cast. Um, she could talk about the ensemble, mm-hmm. you know, who the other uh, members are of the cast. She's not the only black person um, in the in the, um, in the firm. That's great. Uh, she's the only woman, but she, mm-hmm. oh, well, I don't know, maybe not, but maybe there are mentions well, of women. But We've decided
2: that she is. We've decided that oh. it's just a very small uh a uh, law firm uh, consisting of the three lawyers.
1: Okay, okay. And I don't know if it's an old law firm that's been around for a while and she's, like, sort of doing, I mean, by them hiring her, they're doing something, or maybe not. Have you decided on that, too? We did. We talked
2: about it. Uh, there's one line in the play that uh, says uh, the two partners have been running the firm for 20 years. Okay. So while it it wouldn't be old money, you know, one of those generational old firms
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, it's the the culmination of these two partners life's work we have worked together for twenty years and I do think that bringing on some fresh blood a young associate a female associate for them is making a large move into into the future for them mm-hmm. um, and I and I'm excited to hear what you have to say about the relationship between you know the young black woman and the older more established black man mm-hmm. in their relationship it's there's definitely a, at least a generational gap um that causes tension in their relationship and perhaps a gender based one as well
1: mhm yeah yeah so So is she naive, or does she know sort of what she's up against with regards to being an attorney in the first place and, and then going into this all-male environment?
2: Well, it goes
1: back and forth. It's
2: one of the, I don't know, it's one of the hard things about this show, and one of the fun things about this show is that <laughs> Mamet gives you clues or or, or enough you know, meat to tell whatever story you want. I was working with the casting director on this piece, and he said, it's a choose-your-own-adventure. <laughs> because in one scene, someone will say something that's like, well, that's an incredibly naive thought. You've got to be kidding me. And then in the very next scene, there'll be a very sophisticated, worldly, almost cynical point of view expressed by the same character.
0: Mm-hmm. So
2: it's like, how do you reconcile those two po- points of view in one character? It's hard. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's a part of her that, and maybe it's a part of America, too. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a metaphor for how naive, on one hand, America can be sometimes, but also how really cynical and harsh and, and, um, and cold America can be as well. So mm-hmm. I think, for, sp- personally, my character flips back and forth. There are some things that she believes very, very deeply and perhaps is naive about, and then there are other things that she's very hard and cynical and unchanging about as well.
1: Mm-hmm. But, like people. Yeah, certainly, certainly. Yeah, I wanna let our know well. we're speaking to uh, Susan Hayward Hayward, who um who portrays um Susan, uh, in in race. And uh race is being performed October, started open on October 21st, and it continues through November 13th, real short run, mm-hmm. at the American Conservatory Theater, 415 Gary Street in San Francisco. And uh, you can visit the website, act-sf.org, or call 415-749-2228. Um, you have Tuesday performances, huh? Sorry, did I notice that you have Tuesday performances or not? We do. We have Tuesday
2: performances. They are earlier than the rest of the week. I believe they're at 7 p.m. Yeah.
1: Right, right. Yeah. Uh, I, um, in closing, I just wanted to mention Haiti because um, we're coming on the um, the one-year anniversary of the earthquake, and people are still not housed, and and a lot of women um, are are vulnerable to to rape. I um, mean, they were vulnerable other under previous administrations because rape is used as a as a way to intimidate women who are courageous and active in in you know, in in sort of having a say around, you know, what goes on in their lives and what they want to see in their country. And so I met women when I visited last year who have been raped multiple times under, you know, before the earthquake and, you know, the various administrations um, they were raped. And and then I met really young girls who were raped, you know, who are in the camps. And they've got two organizations um, where the women have actually gone to the U.N. and told their stories uh, to the U.N. to get, you know, this documented about, you know, rape. Uh, in the camps and, and rape being used again as a tool of suppression of, of women's voices and they have these whistles that they blow so that if, if they blow the whistle somebody might be able to come in and, and intervene and, and assist mm-hmm. them. But a lot of times when I when I spoke when I speak to, you know, various Haitians um visiting the United States, you know, activists, you know, people that are lava loss or, you know, not necessarily supportive of the regimes that were in cahoots with like the United States, mm-hmm. um, they were talking about rule of law, and and how you know one must uphold the rule of law if you want to have any kind of order in society. And I just want to know if you if um you know we're talking about your your character Susan. Um, sort of why why did she decide to go into law? Um, was it was it because she wanted to serve humanity? Like she, she a constitutional lawyer, and <laughs> or or did she want to make the money? Did she want to move up? In the power structure, because lawyers are pretty important. A lot of, a lot of, you know, our presidents were attorneys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. yeah. Why, why did she decide to do this? Um, yeah. There's a, a line in the show, mm-hmm. uh,
2: that the line is, I thought. It's of Susan's, and she says, I thought lawyers existed to seek
0: justice. Mm, Okay.
2: And it's really interesting in the way Mamet wrote it, too, because he's capitalized lawyers, and he's capitalized the J in justice as well.
0: Mm. And
2: so I feel like for for Susan, it was a hook into why she thinks lawyers exist. Um, I think it's right on the money. with upholding the rule of the law and that the law is the practical form of justice, and it's to protect justice and to seek it out um, wherever it may be lacking, and I think that's why she got into law, and I think that's why this case is so very difficult for her, because justice, with this particular case, it's so convoluted. Hmm. Mm -hmm. So I definitely think she got into law to, to seek
0: justice.
1: Mm-hmm. right so so describe sort of like the mood of the piece is it is it really um serious um because i was reading something <laughs> in the press release i'm like hilarious hmm. i know right oh, that's exactly hilarious. what i thought when
2: i oh my goodness when i first heard the the what's the word the setup mm-hmm. and the setting for the show I was like you've got it how is this a comedy how can it be funny yeah um w- in rehearsals we weren't sure we were Pretty convinced we had a tragedy on our hands Mm -hmm. And we rehearsed it as such Okay And so we were actually very surprised When we first put it up in front of an audience It was very serious Very fast-paced Very Mm -hmm. dark, we thought And people were laughing
1: People laugh.
2: People laugh. People have uh, had a really good time. You have a good time. Wow,
0: okay. So Uh. (laughs) so
2: I'm I'm wondering, I'm still not sure why. I'm not sure if it's because these characters say some things to each other that I think no one would ever say in real life. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's some shocking, terrible things. But, you know, I guess it's the same way in, in... I don't know in some of our, our funniest sitcoms when people say outrageous things, mm-hmm. we either laugh out of recognizing that some people think that or, or out of being uncomfortable, um, but people people certainly laugh and have and i I'm not quite sure why but I'd love to hear your thoughts.
1: okay, okay, <laughs> yeah, when I saw that, I thought, well, this is not a myth I mean. She that's what she said. Cause they, I mean, I'm sure they didn't make a mistake. Cause this is, is the artistic difference. director. They wouldn't misquote Carrie.
2: Hilarious. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'd also be interested to see if you know if, if the more African Americans we got in in that audience,
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, where the laughs would come and
0: from yeah. whom
2: they would come. You know, mm-hmm. we all bring different things into into a theater when we come, and so I'd be very interested in seeing what a very mixed audience laughed at.
1: Mhm. Yeah, yeah. Well definitely, um, I will let you know after I see it tomorrow evening. Oh, oh great! Yeah. Uh, be sure to come around, uh, you oh, know, to mm-hmm. the to the stage door, mm-hmm. and they'll let you in, and we can, you know, chat mm-hmm. up in the green room, and you know, oh, that'd be chat. super. Okay. <laughs> okay, wow, this has been so wonderful. Um, I'm sorry, I have, to, I have to run off to a class. Um, oh, but we can have another another conversation at some other time about you know why you just decided to be an actress in the first place.
2: Oh dear, that's a long conversation. Let's do it.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, well maybe we can uh, maybe once I see the. F- the play, maybe we could talk again. Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love All right, to. you take care, and I look yeah. forward to meeting you tomorrow. <laughs> you too, Wanda. Right. Okay, then. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Yes, that was a great conversation with, with Susan uh, Haywood, and she was excellent as the other Susan in Race. It was a marvelous production. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and um, and as I mentioned, this more recent uh, production of uh, San Francisco Recovery Theater uh in conjunction with Piano Fight was equally marvelous last week uh in the Zoom environment which is not quite the same thing as going to a theater and sitting down and watching a production um, it was more like a stage reading but it was de- definitely intriguing and it was definitely awesome so we uh we have next uh an a uh, conversation with uh, Jeffrey Greer again um San Francisco Recovery Theater uh, uh, Director uh, Executive Director And um, (laughs) I uh, I wanted to um, Let you know about I hadn't realized But there's a um, A woman's march uh, Tomorrow in Sacramento And uh, it's going to be Virtual uh, Given The The current situation and uh, around sheltering in place, et cetera. So I wanted to give you the details on that. And, and you can read it at uh, Wanda's Picks, Wanda's Picks, W-A-N-D-A-S-P-I-C-K-S um, dot com. But um, the uh, Black Women United for, uh, it's a fourth annual and it's the first virtual Black Women's March uh and it's uh tomorrow, Saturday, June twenty seventh at ten A. M. And then there's going to be a um there's gonna be a black girl magic mixer that evening, uh six PM. And I also wanted to let people know about uh the um it's the fiftieth anniversary of Gay Pride and Alameda County is having a lot of events and I wanted to uh give you a reminder there's a party tonight and um Ava Square Levias was on our radio show on Wednesday and she gave us the rundown. But I wanted to um uh give you the details on that. Gosh, I think gosh, I think we missed. might have missed the comedy show. I think that was yesterday. Oh heck. Um <laughs> I hope not, but I think we might have, I'm not sure. Um, but let me uh let me find the information about the pride. There's a lot of movies this weekend, which uh which is really awesome as well. And uh let's see, let me give you the details. So um yeah, today yesterday was yeah, was a healing and hum the uh humor healing comedy workshop uh with Karen Williams and yesterday there was a comedy performance. Uh today, um Actually, um, see, this evening, DJ Lamont Young is hosting, is uh, spinning at a dance party with the host, Coffee Coffee Brown. That's going to be nice. And, again, these are all in Zoom. So that's uh, 830 to 920 tonight is the party. And then tomorrow and Sunday, uh, beginning at 6 p.m. through, um, no, no, beginning yesterday. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, the, queer women, the Queer Women of Color um, Media Arts Project is going to be having an encore of their 2020 film festival. So you can begin watching those films free of charge. And, um, and then on, let's see, Monday, Tuesday, 29th to 30th, um, is a queer, uh, it's called Coming Out Stories, and you can watch all of those as well. And I know there's a collaboration. Oh, yeah, Frameline, let's see, Wednesday through Tuesday, um, the 24th through the 30th, you can watch uh, a lot of films, shorts and feature films. And all of this is free. And how do you find this? Uh, I don't have a proper link uh, to be able to give you the information, so I'm not sure how to do this. Um, But anyway, I'm sure if you probably did a... a, uh, did a search for uh, 50th Pride Alameda County Behavior Health Office of Ethnic Studies. I think if you did something like that, you probably could find it. But um, I'll look for it. But I just wanted to give you a heads up so you don't miss any more of this wonderful uh, programming because it's pretty fantastic what they have um, scheduled and what they have what has already passed. So tonight there's a party. Okay, so we are going to play this. Part of this interview with Jeffrey Greer from last week, and if you want to hear all of the interviews, um, I broadcast it on Wednesday of last week. Um, but we're going to have him on live with the cast in a little bit anyway, 9 o'clock to be exact. Hi, Jeffrey. How are you? I'm doing
4: okay. How you doing?
1: Oh, I'm good. Great. Um, I'm really looking forward to our conversation about race
4: okay uh where you want to (laughs) start
1: um well uh i haven't i didn't even know it was on on broadway Uh, i just i knew it from from the act production and wow it was it was riveting um the sister who who played you know the um you know the character who was trying to um to move up in the company she was, she was very good. And, uh, yeah, and I'm really looking forward to, to seeing your production. And you said that it's stellar as well. And I was just wondering why, um, you know, why now? And, uh, and, you know, recovery theater does, you know, sort of push the limits around topics and themes. And so I uh, was just wondering if you could talk a little bit about the choice of this, um, this particular play. And, and maybe you talk a little bit about the playwright.
4: Okay. Well, things, you know, um, uh, uh, prior to the pandemic and to um, um, the current shootings that had taken place, um, Recovery Theater uh, in January, I think, I think late December, January, we were looking for something to do that was a little bit different. We didn't have a ton of money. We wanted it pared down, something real clean and easy. Um, well, easy as far as uh, set and staging and that kind of thing, And so mm-hmm. we could concentrate on content um, and uh, you know skill of the uh, actor. And you know, it was more of like a you know personal training thing. Now I had seen race. Um, It opened December 2009, actually. Um, uh, It was at the Ethel Barrymore Theater. Um, And quite frankly, uh, the playwright David Mamet, uh, who also wrote *Glengarry Glenn Glenn Ross, um, has very good text. And it was an interesting push for us because we wanted to see, uh, even back then, before all of this other stuff had popped off, you know, we had, we, we had been always having a discussion, you know, white people had all said, well, what can we do? What can we
5: do? How can we help? Blah, blah, blah.
4: You know, and I, first of all, i got to say praise to my brother Marvin X and my sister, I, Delia Zinga, you know, uh, you know, who came up, you know, technically brought me into the fold and wise me up. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought we always think we're wise that so people can always teach you at any rate. Um, the concept of uh, the addiction to white supremacy.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: Now, when you say addiction, and then you say white, and then you say supremacy, it's a it's those are words that are almost cause people to flinch. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter whether you're black, white, or it's just almost you know addiction. Oh my goodness, no! And then white, oh, why are you talking about white people? And you know supremacy? What are you trying to say? You know, those are those are like 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 words that that, that that hit you at your core. And until you actually process, until you really understand that sociological and psychological diseases are as devastating as physical disease as we have seen evidence of very clearly. And um, this play, I picked this play because it gives, anybody the opportunity to really understand and see what systemic racism is a lot of people don't understand how institutional racism you know is is visualized you know unless you've experienced it you know and what is the long-term systematic uh racism that, that continues in the process of trying to uh elevate or improve yourself and a lot of times, we can't see it until you see it in a reflection. And Recovery Theater has been long known for providing a reflection of real life, which is why I picked this play. Um, when it was presented, it was uh, the, the female role was done by Carrie Washington. Um, James Spader. Oh, really?
3: Next
4: oh really? Oh, really? In the Broadway production, Carry yeah. Washington played. Uh, James Spader played the lawyer. Okay. Um, Richard Thomas, who you may remember, John Boy on will uh, House on the Prairie. Yes. Uh, yes, he played the uh, other white guy. And the uh, third, the other lawyer, was played by David Allen Greer. Mm-hmm. I think you may know him. Yeah. And so this all, uh, they opened on, the, like I said, December 2009. And uh, I saw the play. I saw it. I, I You know, I went and saw it. And then I went back. I went back and I saw this play probably six or seven times. Really? And, uh, I went and saw it, yes. I went and saw it in New York. I was in New York at the time. I went and saw it six or seven times because it was just, you know, it was one of those plays that had such a grasp. I went to the, I went to the, to the show. The audience was primarily, well, every audience was, was a little different, but New York audience, Broadway audience, it was the classic a lot of older Jewish women and, 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 and white folks who were in there to come see this play. David Mamet is, a, you know, Broadway darling. You know, but this was one of those plays after the, after the show was over, curtain went down. It's like nobody left the theater. They didn't leave the theater, and there was this buzz. Everywhere you went, people were talking. Well, what did you think? How did it get rid mean, It created a conversational buzz. And it was like everybody was discussing what they thought, how did it affect, was it real, I don't know, blah, 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 It was all of these questions. And I said, you know, regardless of what you think of the playwright um, or, uh, you know, subject matter, as an art piece that creates conversation and creates a provocative state of mind, he's doing his job.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: So I thought about it for a while. I didn't think about it. Then I went and saw the uh, the, the production they had over at ACT. Right. And um, then they also did it down in the peninsula at some theater down there.
0: Okay. And
4: um, um, we were just, Recovery the Theater was just kind of in between productions. We just wrapped on um, another run of Reflections in Black, and we were looking for something to do. And, I, you know, I didn't have, I don't have any money. So I said, all right, well, let's do something that's small and trimmed down. It's only four characters.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
4: it runs about 90 minutes.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, but we managed to focus. And we, were, we were blocking and we were rehearsing. We were ready to stage up at Piano Fight, right, in San Francisco, because it's a small, intimate theater. We're going to uh, open up it's a 50-seat theater. We mm-hmm. are going through all of this. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, COVA hit all the theaters shut down. Everything was done. You couldn't even rehearse. I'm like, damn, we put all this time, all this money, all this energy, I mean, all this, you know, money time
0: mm-hmm. into,
4: into rehearsing. What are we going to do? And uh, one of the guys in the, because said, well, you know, you, can, you know, people are starting to talk to each other on Zoom or Skype. Skype has good sound, but Zoom has a better overall reaching. You, could, you know, you have a lot of people that you can just like, Like put on there. Mm -hmm. So anyway, we started rehearsing via Zoom. And I got the concept to present this play via, like, uh, remember the old Playhouse 90 modality? uh, Where it was all of the drama was based on the character. There wasn't tricks. There wasn't a loud noise. You didn't have a whole lot of CGI. You just had a stage, oftentimes it was just black and white, maybe three chairs, a table, and, and somebody in there, and they would work it out. That was like the first Twilight Zone, you know, one step beyond, that kind of thing. Um, anyway, so we used Zoom to rehearse, and I blocked via Zoom, we did uh, notes, we did all of this stuff via Zoom, and got accustomed and, and familiar with it, and I didn't realize that we were one of the first to do a production Via Zoom. I didn't. I didn't understand. I I thought everybody was doing it, and it turned out that, you know, there's a lot of folks are just, just, you know, just now kind of getting hip to it. Mm -hmm. At any rate, um, so we decided to go forward and do this production. And during the time when the pandemic was hitting, and we were just beginning to understand, okay, good. You know, we got this piece. You know, we're going to do it. Everybody is sheltering in place. It's all going to be done virtually. Then, all of a sudden, my man, um, Amadu, I don't know, whatever the, the brother that got shot and, uh, you know, the dudes followed him down the road while he was jogging and then they shot him. Yeah, Amad, right?
1: yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Amad,
4: they got Amad, right? That popped off. Then all the other videos started showing up,
0: mm-hmm. right?
4: And uh, then, of course, we had George Floyd, right. you know. And then we have this, my man, um What's her name? Uh, in the Wendy's. He just got shot. Yeah, you know, and then, and and
1: then they them have them the young, you know, they have the woman, you know, who was shot in her, I think she was, was she asleep? Um, oh, you know, Brianna Taylor.
4: Brianna Taylor, she was sleeping. And all of these things started coming to the surface. And these are the ones that we knew about. These are, these are big names. This was, you know, Philando Castillo. All of this stuff was big time, which mm-hmm. was big. Then other video and other evidence started coming out of, of of, of how, you know, we have been telling people for decades, you know, centuries, really, but, you know, more recently, decades, that this has been happening. This is not new to us.
5: Mm-hmm. What's
4: new is you finally get a chance to see what we're talking about. Right. And, um, you know, it became apparent that for some reason, I'm not going to say it was a divine intervention, I'm just going to say that, you know, the stars lined up, and we were doing this production about race
0: mm-hmm.
4: and the conversation of race and how race is an integral part of our survival and existence here in america and this is as american as apple pie um anybody who sees this or anybody who's had an interaction with a law office or the system will know exactly how this goes anybody who's tried to get a job, anybody who's climbing the corporate ladder, anybody who's worked, you know, regular nine-to-five, they'll know exactly what is implicated in this piece that we're doing. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, um, it, it, to me, it became, you know, it wasn't a deviation because, you know we, we, you know, we look for writers. We like to promote black writers, black actors, and black theater, and that is our, that is our stem. We are a black theater company. But that's, that does not mean that you can't tell our story from many different perspectives? You know, these are critical times as far as we are concerned. I myself and recovery theater; these are very critical times. We need the cavalry in every kind, every every capacity possible. Now, you know, as Brother Marvin would say, you know, uh, you know, we got some John Brown white folks. Come on, they they <laughs> have to the picnic too, you know. We need who we need whoever is going to help change this situation. Mm -hmm. So, I would urge everybody of every walk, every it doesn't matter man, woman. Oh, and it deals with uh, deals with a very good perspective on sexism. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. It deals with that. So, um, I think it's a very provocative play. It gave it a chance for the actors to expand. And for those actors that, you know, haven't had a lot of stage time, this is a this is a very, very craft, well-crafted piece. Um, and it's just, once again, uh, I think we had this conversation before when we were talking about Reflections in Black. I think there was, something else had jumped off when, when mm-hmm. that came in. It's, it's just, once again, you know, uh, social society has basically paved the way for us. And given us the direction that we should go in, it mm-hmm. just so happened that we were rehearsing this, and we were up and ready to run. So, we will be uh, presenting uh, in collaboration with Piano Fight. For those of you that don't know, San Francisco. Um, we are going to be um, live at 7:30 uh, via Zoom. Um, you can just log in there. There's a password. Um, uh, I don't know what it is, but I've got a password there somewhere. But you can go on. You can you can search. <laughs> and... <laughs> let me let me let me look it up while I, while I run off with the bow. <laughs> <laughs>
1: is is it a free production, or or is do people need to get and tickets?
4: We, well, we it, it, we're asking for a donation, mm-hmm. of course, and we were hoping that. Uh, we're hoping that people will log in. You can log in for free. We're not going to, as in all of our uh, recovery theater productions, we're not going to turn anybody away. But we uh, we're we're fighting for survival, and uh, all black theaters are not just not just recovery theater. And so, you know, uh, people, well, what can we do? What can we do? I just right. said to well, send a check. That's what you can do. Send a check, or participate, or here it is uh so seven thirty on on Juneteenth Friday the nineteenth just go on zoom and log in and the password is one five two nine nine one so for those of you that that, that need to remember numbers go one fifty two nine nine one so uh, and uh it's uh if they go on a facebook and look around and you know or or look me up We can always send it to you or Go to. It'll be posted on the Piano Fights website as well um, So yeah, that's our plan We will do that It will be showing uh, live via Zoom on Friday And then we're going to have uh, subsequent uh, rebroadcast Saturday at 7.30 as well And then Sunday late in the afternoon Probably around 6, 4, 6 mm. And um we're hoping everybody in the community, Bay Area community, tunes in. We'd love to hear your responses. We'd love to hear your commentary. Uh, love to hear your thoughts. And um, love to have you like SF Republic Theater.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was, um, I was reading uh, from the program, uh, the ACT program, because I didn't see it um you know, see the play online. I mean not online, I didn't see the play on Broadway like you did and I didn't see it as many times as you saw it either. But um yeah I was just sort of uh sorta of trying to skim the um you know some comments that the uh the playwright made and because uh, this play I think was um ten years ago that it was at A C T. Yeah. yeah, um in two thousand ten. And I was wondering if you could um maybe tell our audience sort of what it's about like what's the plot and 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 what do you know about about David Mamet um I know that he he's from Chicago and um and and this play is kind of a a shift in his 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 um political thinking and allegiance um so to speak because he even dedicates this play to Shelby Steele who is a controversial um, scholar out of Stanford University. So I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about first the plot and then, you know, sort of some of the political ideological threads sort of running through the playwright's mind as he writes this.
5: Well,
4: um, I think that, and you know, I've looked up a lot of uh, David Mamet, you know, statements and, uh, you know, his allegiance and all of that, and um, I uh, you know, I'm not a fan of a lot of that.
0: Mm-hmm. And Shelby
4: Steele <laughs> is certainly not on my radar, you know. yeah, She's definitely in the rear view mirror as far as I'm concerned. Uh, and so all of that has, you know, as an artist, as an artist, you know, you have statements that you want to make. And so when you would take a per- take a production, with a person that has these kind of particular political views and slants. And, I mean, it's what we do as African-American black people here in the United States. We take what is given us and repurpose it to fit our needs. And um, my vision was to take this and repurpose it and fit the needs of recovery theater and the black theater community as a whole. Um, so so let me just kind of, I guess I want to put that out there as a disclaimer. Uh, David Mamet, so, is a well-known, he's, I don't know, he's about uh, 70-something years old. He was born, he was out of Chicago. Um, he has done so many, so many uh, plays, and he's he he's uh, a well-known playwright. I mean, Speed the Plow, The Anarchist, you know, like race. we were saying that that debuted in 2009. Richard the J, um, probably his his most the uh, Olinia, that was off Broadway. The uh, the the most famous piece that he did was Glengarry Glen Ross. So and that that was a work of art as well. Um. So that's pretty much. it. I mean, he is, you know, he, he you know, without getting getting way, you know, I don't want to go go too deep into David Mammoth because you know his his slant and his view. Everybody the, the the listeners and anybody else can go look him up and they can see what he said. He, he mm-hmm. you know, he's he not he's he one of those people. <laughs> and
0: uh,
4: <laughs> but we we have to take sometimes what we have and make it. If the piece is good, the piece is good. The mm-hmm. text, now, I don't know if he purposely did it that way. I just know how I interpret it as a writer, mm-hmm. director, producer, and performer. Right. I have to, You know, there's certain pieces that we take that are classic works, you know, the same way we would take a Shakespeare piece. Mm-hmm. Um, and I learned this from uh, the word slanger, Adele Zinger. You mm-hmm. take pieces that have been classically done and you repurpose them and make them yours. You make these shoes fit, you know, mm-hmm. because you have to sometimes uh, the words and the text for this particular piece were very fitting, especially during these times when you have so many confused white folks, you know, they're, 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 they're very confused. They are victims of the addiction to white supremacy as well as many black folks. You know, this, this sociological malady that we see finally raising its head has, has put so many people in a state of confusion that, you know, for those that don't know they are addicted and have this, you know, have this, ent- this entitlement that was just bestowed upon them from the word go, and they don't even understand why, this is, is kind of like a primer. This mm-hmm. will give you an indication. This is what you have, and this is how you treat people when you quote don't know it. You know,
0: we've mm-hmm.
4: had a had a as, as, as someone so eloquently put. We've we've had an outbreak of Karen's going wild on the internet. You know, we you know we we you know they accelerated from barbecue Becky to uh, now we got you know Karen. You know the pacific heights karen we got the whatever the other karen now the police officers are scared to go to eat in the hamburger joint because they thought for sure they were being poisoned and, mm, you
1: know, yeah and then yeah, in, in and alameda there was you know this black man dancing black man black people can't yeah. dance you know he got yeah. arrested for dancing across you from his apartment in a park
4: got okay, dancing from across the street from your apartment because you know you cannot hold a civil conversation with these people they have they have already come with a predetermined end to the confrontation or conversation so we need to understand the mindset and you know this is a primer this kind of gives you a mindset as to what uh what we have here and also in in, you know we have a i understand why why well, Mammoth dedicated this to Shelby Steele, because there's a Shelby Steele character in this play, and uh, he becomes exposed very clearly. Um, I don't want to give away the end, but, you know, we're in a different climate now. We're in a different theatrical climate and artistic climate. And, you know, we don't know, you know, uh, 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 the beast in charge is is, is determined to not only turn people loose uh, amidst, amidst a, ta- a climate of, of disease and, and you know, communicable uh, ailment of epic proportions, you know, mm-hmm. so much so that the whole, you know, that the city of Tulsa is begging, you know, many people are begging for this fool not to come there, but he's determined, determined to come to Tulsa and have his rally, you know. uh What this this does is provide the mindset, the blind mindset, uh, a view, an opportunity for us to look at that that mindset that creates that kind of uh, environment. Mm -hmm. Um, But I, I also like the fact that it deals with that subtle line, that line between sexism and racism, and how does that get blurred? How does the line get blurred? Um, And it becomes very clear. And the position that black females are put in as they climb the corporate ladder or just work, period. And especially, you know, once you cross that that line from being, you know, a a minimum wage worker, you know, with all all your people to to moving into management and moving into a career, all of a sudden – your brothers, your sisters, your family, everybody you know disappears. They fall by the wayside and you're wandering into uncharted territory. And if you're unfamiliar with wandering in the land of, uh, as they say, walking amongst the English, you're subject to fall into pitfalls. You you need to know what the nature of the beast is. Mm -hmm. And it was a very, very good lesson for this young lady.
0: Mhm. Right. It's well,
4: it's well worth seeing. That that alone is mm-hmm. uh worth the price of admission as they said.
1: Right. Yeah. And then how you started the conversation with referencing um you know, our addiction to um to white racism, to racism. Um you know, how to recover from that, you know, which is a book that Marvin X wrote you know the twelve step program covering from addiction to white supremacy um you know to racism um, yeah and and I was just thinking, um you know, it's interesting that this particular setting is a law office, and all of the characters are her attorneys um, and and just sort of looking at the policies that those in this profession. You know how they you know you can ignore certain laws um and and they don't get implemented right um because you know but there are a lot of good laws, but if they don't if they're not if they're not used if they're not practiced, then they might as well not exist
4: exactly well I was listening to um they had some you know one of the black district attorneys or something or you know retired police captain or something from Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. And he really eloquently put it, he said, you know, there is the letter of the law,
0: Mm -hmm.
4: there is the spirit of the law, and then there is what is right. And they just put, leave it there, you know, Mm -hmm. there's, there's what's right. Yeah. There's what's right, you Mm -hmm. know, and surely, you know, an example is, of course, a drunk, a drunk should not fight the police, you know, and should not take the taser, should not run across the parking lot, and should not shoot the taser at the police officer, Mm -hmm. you know. However, if we look at the position uh, and we stop and think that what is the purpose of uh, an officer in our society, and that is to protect and serve, protect and serve. And
1: <laughs> We're going to leave it there Because our guests whom I mentioned were going to be joining us Are in the studio To talk about um, San Francisco Recovery Theater's Wonderful production Of David Mamet's play Rape And uh, I'm uh, Letting people Turning people's mics on So they can join us And uh yeah, thank you all so much for uh getting up early on a Friday and, and joining us to talk about your fantastic uh-huh. <laughs> um, production last week. It was so good. Oh my goodness, you all. Are thank awesome. you. Awesome. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so thank very you. much. You're welcome. You're welcome. Oh, you're quite welcome. So, so we have in the studio um uh, the director and executive director of um, San Francisco Recovery Theater, um, Jeffrey Greer. Good morning, Jeffrey. How are you?
4: I'm doing fine. How are you doing this uh, early morning?
1: Oh, it's not that early, but for, you know, since you all work late, <laughs> it's early for you. <laughs> Unless you're on the East Coast, and it's not early, but nobody's on the East Coast. <laughs> Yeah, how do you like hearing your voice?
4: (laughs) It's you know, it's very curious. Sometimes you know, I'm very critical of myself, and um, you know, as an actor, sometimes you're like, I don't want to see it, I don't want to hear it, I don't want none of it, I don't want to hear any of it. But then again, at the same time, very curious, and it's kind of like then I go into the sports mode. It's like, okay, I got to review the tape. If I review the tape, Mm. I can correct it. You know, so.
1: Right, yeah, yeah. Um, so um is the correct pronunciation of your pronunciation of your name Phoenix? Yes, yes it is. Okay. Good and morning. Lindsay, How are your you? name. <laughs> good morning. Good morning, good morning. But then you have the rest of your name. Could you could you do it all for us? Say it all for us. In Rasa Bakshami. No. Okay, yeah. And you portrayed Susan. Yeah. You were the only woman or female, um, you know, in the production, and you held it down uh, for Thank the unspoken you. women, right? Very nice. Yes, absolutely. Thank <laughs> you so very much.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. And it's definitely really a challenge. Um, in Zoom, too.
6: Thank you. <laughs> I'm learning that I pulled
1: it off. I pulled off yes, the zoom did. look. I was so excited. You, <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah, you all pulled off the zoom look. Since you were only yeah, people were like you know because of all the stereotypes around women, right? So we were like, we people were like scrutinizing you even even through you know trying to look through our biases and stuff like you know. But anyway, yeah, you look gorgeous and and you held it down legally, you know <laughs> you know intellectually. Thank with, you. Uh, with your, with Thank your, you your, very your, much. much. Okay, no <laughs> I am
6: smart, and I also watched a bunch of Scandal before this. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I call it tapping uh, into my Olivia Pope.
1: <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> and and Richard uh, Darnell May as um, Henry Brown. Am I correct?
5: Yes, ma'am. Good morning.
1: Good morning. Yeah, you were great. It's sort of like representing, you know, that that African American persona. Like, this is what you really think of us. That was really interesting the way you just were really consistent in, you know, sort of your character and you know, not breaking form and, you know, being consistent in that particular character. Wow, that was I'm looking forward to talking up with you and how about how how you did that and you know the ease or the difficulty in doing that.
5: Oh yes, yes, yes! Can't
1: wait. Okay, and then and then Robert, um, how do you pronounce your last name?
7: Guest Slider.
1: Guest Yeah, Robert. as Charles Strickland. Yeah, yeah. So wow. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing you talk about about your character, and 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 you sort of you know. How you were able to channel that, um, and and what you thought about that character, you know, as you look at yourself playing that character.
7: Yes, I look forward to talking to you about it, Wanda. Nice to meet you. Mhm.
1: Sure, sure. Yeah. And um, and then we have Richard Winslow. Um, you portray Jack Lawson.
8: Good morning. It's good to be here.
1: Good morning good morning um and if i'm remembering correctly um is your character the one who is the um is his law firm
8: uh yeah it's
1: right henry
8: and I, henry and i have been have been running the law firm for uh for twenty something years
1: mm-hmm. uh
8: together uh and, right uh, right um it was uh, I I actually have a background in my personal life of working not as an attorney but working mm-hmm. in several different law firm settings. Uh oh. uh so this was interesting from from that perspective as well for me. Um and I was able to draw on uh, <laughs> on those years of working in that environment to help me to um uh, find my
1: character. Mhm. Oh, wow, that's always great when you have, you know, something in your life I I hear, you know, to be able to um to be
8: able to fit cool into in. that, that. Yeah. yeah. To,
1: right, yeah, exactly, exactly. So, um I was thinking um I wanna have a question for you, uh just with regards to since you mentioned that you and um and Henry, uh your you know, um had you know, sort of come and I guess create the law firm together. Were were you all straight out of um law school? Because 'cause twenty years means since you were in your twenties. If you're in your forties when we meet you. Mhm. Did did you establish it straight out of law school, um, the two of you? Um, this this different kind of firm that was headed by you know, a black man and a white man as opposed to two white men? You know, I'm not. I don't
8: really know what the answer to that is. That's not something that we discussed during the rehearsal process. But mm-hmm. uh, uh, I don't know. Richard, what do you think?
5: Um, well, yeah, it wasn't really addressed in the text. Um, we could certainly, you know, uh, as, as part of an acting process, you are supposed to kind of make up some kind of backstory for your character. Mm-hmm. But the fact that uh, there's a line that you have in a play where you, you state we've been together for 20 years, um, I, I don't think it's that important about, you know, what time we started. It's more of the duration of the time we've been together.
1: Oh uh, yes,
5: mm-hmm.
8: yeah,
5: I agree. Right. Okay.
1: Yeah, I was just just asked the question. Not that it was in the play, um, which I have mm-hmm. not read. Just seen it. Um, I was just thinking, you know, as your, as the backstory that you might have created about, because I think you all are friends. At least that's where it comes across. And uh, and you and you you know, there's an intimacy around sort of that you look like when you when you talk, you have history, and you know each other. And you also know sort of the place where you're coming from in this society we live in as as a white man and as a black man, you know, in mm-hmm. law. And and there and there is no <laughs> uh, there's no confusion about the roles and about you know sort of that you're kind of cast in, uh, irregardless of whether or not you want to be in those roles. So that's why I was asking the question. Yeah. So um, how do we? Yeah. So you have a do you have a comment uh, and follow up
8: to my um, comment? Yeah. Quite. Whether you know as to whether we started it right out of law school or not, clearly we are uh, we are uh, uh, close in our uh, ideas uh, and have a relationship, a friendship that's been built up over these 20 years. We we are of similar minds uh, and can speak, these two characters, Henry and and Jack, can speak very honestly and direct and open with each other. Um, uh, And uh, I think it's it's interesting that on the subject of, of bringing uh, Susan into the office, Jack and Henry, disagreed on whether to do that or not. Um, Yes. Mm -hmm. And and they are able to have that disagreement (laughs) and at the same time not have that dissolve their understanding of each other.
3: Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Um, well, since you brought it up, let's let's talk a little bit about – we're just sort of jumping right into the plane, but that's okay – um, we can we can we can back it up later around. Okay, well, tell us about yourself and why you want to be at you know San Francisco Recovery Theater. We'll get to that. So yeah, why why did Jack and Henry think about bringing uh, a woman, not just any woman, but Susan, <laughs> into the office and <laughs> and the thinking around that?
8: Uh, well. Uh... It's interesting in that at 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 that one point in this in the uh in the story that the script tells, uh, it becomes clear that Jack and it becomes clear that Jack and Henry disagreed about whether to bring Susan on or not. And uh Jack's perspective is that he was I think, is that uh he is doing the right thing by students to the law firm because of her, her record and credentials and her background. Uh, and it's not until late that, that he has the concern that even though she's died on her resume, um, that, um, that her abilities, uh, as an attorney, uh are strong, and she could be an asset to the office, but he's also concerned, as it turns out, that uh, there could be a conflict if he didn't hire them. Um, I'm not sure what that's about with Jack. I mean, he he does not he does his best to do the right thing uh, going forward uh, with his actions and thinks that he's doing what he thinks is right but his understanding of the uh, of the situation in this country uh, about racism is not, his perspective is not, is different than Henry's perspective he's doing his best to do the right thing uh, but he doesn't have a full understanding of the, of the situation nor the situation with Susan and Henry does mm-hmm. and sees mm-hmm. Susan for what she wants right away um yeah. I, I think it's interesting that Susan and Phoenix I don't know if this was your thinking about the character or not um, mm-hmm. Susan sees the defendant uh, and uh Decides that he looks guilty right away. She doesn't have any real information <laughs> to inform that decision, but her her life experience, maybe even her intuition, tells her uh-huh. he's guilty. Which, yeah. and I think that's really interesting, just because
1: yeah. uh, yeah. uh, well, we she um, moves forward can uh, uh, on her respond to. Yeah, um, I wanted to ask you. um... Uh, Richard, like when you when yes. you're not speaking, there's silence. But when you're speaking, it sounds like traffic or air. And I was wondering, what what is that noise? Oh, it's oh, yeah. like I
8: don't I wanted like. Yeah, quiet we have we nervous. have to
1: listen. Yeah, you're you're like being drowned by this this noise. Uh, uh,
8: there is silence. it's yeah. quiet. There's no noise here.
1: Okay. Yeah. It's um. Hmm. Um, do you want to, cause I'm, yeah, it's, it's really weird. Um, yeah, it, there's like, um, there's static in your line. Do you want to call back in and see if we can maybe get rid of it?
8: Uh, sure. If you'd like me to, I can do that one. Oh well,
1: yeah, actually I don't hear it now. Where'd where it go?
4: Yeah. Something happened. Um, Some, somebody moved or something. Something happened and stopped for a second.
8: I, but now it's My back. Com- my computer was on yeah. in the background and I turned it off. Uh,
1: no, no, no. Oh they, I hear they, it. What, no, there was well, hmm. huh. technology I love it. Oh. Uh, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, if you can you can call in again and we can see if maybe it'll go because sometimes, you know, it's, it's just a line and you call in, get another okay, line. Let, let me all right,
8: let me try that. <laughs> we,
1: we could try that. Okay, cool. All right. Um so, um, phoenix do you want to um talk a little bit about your susan um yeah sure about in the third Uh, he was
6: mentioning (laughs) how when i (laughs) exactly he was mentioning how when i first saw him that i knew he was guilty i Mm -hmm. all of a sudden knew it and i can't really
1: excuse me um, phoenix uh give us the character uh, name um oh charles strickland as soon as i saw charles strickland Susan, my character, said he looked
6: guilty. He acted guilty. Um, and as a woman, I do go with my gut instincts before anything else. And you can feel that. I believe that you can You can feel. I'm really big on energy, and so I always relate my characters to my real life. And you can feel the energy in the room shift. So if something isn't right, you can feel it. So I'm going to assume when that's what I, I thought for my character is that it just felt Wrong So I don't know what he did But he acted guilty It felt wrong He flirted with me There's a line in the in the play That says he flirted with me I knew of his accusation He knows I know But you still were bold enough to flirt with me That guy's got some balls on him So what Yeah take that into consideration <laughs> So I'm going to say Susan had a gut instinct okay. And went with it <laughs> And most of the most right. time it's right Sometimes it's not, mm-hmm. but you got to go with it Because she really had no evidence mm-hmm. to go on Except for the way that he approached
1: her Mm-hmm. Right, right, mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> Okay, so um, so Robert um, Talk to us about, about your Charles Strickland And um, what he's holding And why he chose this particular firm uh too, 'cause he's already been to a firm before and he didn't like them. He fires them. And so he ends up at this firm and um you know, talk to us about, about what he's carrying, what he's holding and yeah, and what you wanted to portray through this particular character. And while um while you're not speaking, maybe people could mute their phones, um, so that we just mm-hmm. have you know, the one person speaking. Uh, the one yeah. you know sort of, Yeah. Because we want we want to try to make this uh, this particular um, uh, show so that we want to share that <laughs> that is, that is it's clear
7: okay um let's see charles Strickland um he goes to um another law office uh, greenstein's and he says uh he didn't like the way he was being treated um, he he didn't like the way he was uh, uh um, that he was being treated and then it comes out that um you know he says he'd rather go to um to lawson and and brown because um because Henry Brown is black uh, <laughs> and that's not the case at greenstein's and so it's clear. It's clear. He knows what kind of trouble he's in, and he's, you know, he's he's gone to a different to a different law firm for a good reason. Um. Not like it, not like it helps him. Um, he's still in the trouble he's in. Um.
0: Uh,
1: yeah um so since um you know everyone's had a chance to speak so why don't we why don't we start start with you um uh <clears throat> Robert, and you could tell us a little bit about yourself and your relationship to uh san francisco uh, recovery theater and and why you wanted to put <clears throat> you portray this particular character um <clears throat> how did you like? Like of all the different you know white men that you could have portrayed, <laughs> um, this is the one that you know you chose, and he's the bad guy,
6: so to speak. Yeah,
7: yeah.
1: <laughs> if there is a bad well, guy, um, yeah. <laughs>
7: okay, so my path to this role, um, I've I've uh, I've known and uh, been friends with Richard May for um, probably three. Three and a half years now, we kn- we know each other from doing uh, open mics in San Francisco, mm-hmm. and Richard would always do theatrical pieces, monologues, and I would always do kind of stand-up comedy, social commentary, um, you know, mostly from my own experience. And, and I always liked working. I, I always liked uh, talking to Richard, and I felt like he got what what I did on stage and. I got what he did. And we talked about collaborating on, on uh, a couple of projects um, maybe back a a year ago. And then uh, he invited me, uh, asked me if I was interested in, in this role um, in the play race. And um, I had never done a scripted piece before, uh, nor worked with a cast. So it was kind of a, a stretch and a leap, but, I wanted to – I had been thinking I wanted to work with other people um, as opposed to doing solo work. And um, so I, I read the script and uh, thought about it quite a bit and talked to Richard more about it. And um, I, I wanted to meet Jeffrey, the director, and he and I had lunch. And I, uh, I, I really felt, felt great about the possibility of working with, with Jeffrey – Um, But then the character itself, sure, he's the bad guy. Um, He's the ugly guy in in the story. And, you know, that that has been um, quite a transformation for me to take that on and try to get underneath who he is and transform myself. uh, Since all my work really had been about myself before that, um, transform myself into him. Um, I remember I remember mentioning to a friend that I was considering this role and, and the first thing my friend said was couldn't they find anybody else <laughs> like uh, such an awful role um, but no I mean there's, there's, a, there's a lot to the character and a lot to understand and a lot to see um, how could a person how could a, I mean, the, 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 the kind of path that I went from was, you know, who am I? Um, you know, how, how could a person rape somebody and be so racist and sexist? Um, what goes on in their thinking, uh, if anything, what what sort of confused, nasty, uh, you know, privileged. Uh, background does a person bring to have you know to exhibit those kind of behaviors? Mm-hmm. Well, maybe I could leave it there.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah for now. Um, yeah. Sure. Mm-hmm. I was just wondering no, feel, when you said that you, you had uh, you had portrayed yourself, um, you know, in in the work that you had done previously on stage, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, so juxtaposing, you know, who you are as a person with this character you have portrayed to portray um, and, and your friend saying, couldn't they find someone else? It sounds as oh. if this particular character was very different from who you are and the character you <laughs> were portraying on stage.
7: Yes. Yes, a- absolutely. Ah. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh. But but then you know the further I would go down that path of wondering who Charles Strickland was, uh, every day I would have to ask myself, Robert, are there parts of you that are like him? What parts of you are like him? Um, uh, you know, he didn't come out of a vacuum. He. Um, it, it, and and it, they're tough questions to ask it's uh uh you know i'm kind of shaking now just thinking about it um, and, uh, you know how how disconnected he is i mean the, the 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 quality of being disconnected and unconscious of of one's offenses <laughs> You know, that's the key word, being unconscious and and not knowing. So uh, we're all guilty of that. You don't know what you don't know.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you. Um, Who else would like to uh, reflect on um, sort of how you came to Recovery Theater and and how you ended up uh, choosing to portray – your character and any
3: difficulties
5: this is, this is uh, you might have with yeah. that particular mm-hmm. character. Uh, hello, this is Richard, yes. nasty. Oh, so, ahead, Richard. um Okay, um, a couple of things. Um, when I was listening to uh, uh, Mr. Wenzel speak about his role as, as Jack, the phrase that came to mind uh, was, the road to hell is paved with good intentions."
3: Oh. And so <laughs>
5: while, while Mr. Uh, Lawson, his character, Jack Lawson, um, his heart may be in the right place, but the real problem, and this is, speaks to what's going on in this country right now, is that a white man, no matter how well-intentioned, is never, ever going to fully understand what it's like to be a black man in America. Because, I mean, you could, you could do whatever you want, you know, but until you, you know, until you've lived that life, you know, you really don't get the streak on it. Now, the author, uh, Mr. Mamet, he does address that uh, in the first page of the script, where yeah, he says specifically that a white man cannot say anything, you know, to a black man about race. Uh, but you still do have to make that effort. I mean, that's the key, right? You know, you have to make an effort to, to understand the other. Um, as far as my character is concerned, um, it really wasn't that much of a stretch for me. Because um, I, too, have worked among lawyers. I uh, worked for a number of years at uh, Hastings Law School. So I, too, uh, was immersed in that, that, that environment. Uh, but also, um, I remember as a young black man looking around me, and I grew up in the south Bronx of New York City. And so I, I was in, you know, a pretty rough uh, uh, environment. Unforgiving environment And I said to myself Well I don't want to be here I've got to, I've got to get out And it came clear to me That the way to get out Was assimilation And so I tried early on In my, my young life To to not necessarily be white But, but to, to, to adopt uh, The norms of the culture That I was in You know they say When in Rome Do as Romans do Right So Uh, you know, I I made the effort to assimilate in order to raise my my economic standards. And at a certain point, it dawned on me that you can assimilate all you want. You're still going to be black. You're going to be a large black man in America. And there's no way to unpack that baggage. That comes with you wherever you go. And so... I understand of my character, uh, Henry Brown, um, he probably did the same thing. You know, he, he figured, okay, you know, I may be black, but I'm smart and I'm gonna, I'm gonna rise up. And, and so he goes to law school and he does everything and, you know, becomes a successful lawyer with a partner for over 20 years. And at a certain point though, he says, wow, you know what? It doesn't, doesn't freaking matter. I'm still going to be a black man in America. And so there's a lot of speeches in the play where I am addressing um, uh, Robert, uh, his his character, uh, uh, Mr. Strickland, you know, in a way that he's getting uh, the ability to speak truth to power. So I I see that. uh, You had mentioned early on how um, I was like holding up you know, the, the, the idea of, of black men in the play in America. Well, certainly that, but also, I mean, what black man in America has it longed to be able to speak his mind to someone that he knows, he knows deep in his heart, is responsible for his oppression? So, so whenever I would have those speeches to, 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 uh, to Mr. Strickland, you know, I would reach down. For that, that, that suppressed anger But then also, you know You have to live with other people You know, you can't just go out and kill the other You know, we can't kill all the white people in America And the white people, sure as hell, can't kill all the black people in America No matter how much they try So, you know, at the end of the day, we've got to get along, right? And, and so, one of my favorite like For all the anger that I bring to the play One of my favorite lines, my lines in the play is uh, uh, we all have to put up with a lot From each other And, and so You know that, that, that's really important I think that, that if you can Take anything from this production It's that You're not going to understand the other But you do have to make the effort Right Everybody's got to make an effort If you don't make an effort Then you got zero Hmm
3: yeah
5: okay.
1: so Jeffrey, do you have anything you'd like to um uh add to the stew that we're stirring here?
5: well,
4: um I'm listening to uh the actors, and I'm like, you know when we have our rehearsals and when we're talking amongst ourselves, these guys are like, Yeah well, I don't think blah, 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 blah. everybody is a lie, and um you know the 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 um as you, as you go through the process of development, and you know, an artwork, whether it's fine art or whether it's performing art, um, it's always the process, and the process allows you to develop the final, the final work. And there was a lot of stuff that uh, Robert Gessleiter did. There's a lot of subtlety to what he was doing. At, you know, he comes in, he goes out. He comes in, he goes. He represents a lot of, a lot of people we have seen. You know that that, uh, unbeknownst to us, have this really dark side. And you know, it was, um, you know, he was very reticent. He was like, "Look, man, this is not really who I am. I don't know how I can." I said, "Look, dude, you. It it doesn't matter that this is not who you are, but you can show people how evil people can be. You know." You know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, uh, uh, we all have an opportunity to put on somebody else's shoes, you know, at some point. Um, We took special care, uh, and I'm really happy Phoenix came and joined the cast. We went through about four seasons when we were in rehearsal. Um, And Phoenix came along, and it was like when she came along, we'd known each other in the past from somewhere. Uh Uh-oh, there's that noise. There's that, no. yes, I
3: Winzell,
4: wonder. Is, that you? is that you, Richard Wenzel? I don't know. Is it he anyway, right? here but <laughs> it could be me. It, it might be you. Well, get the mute and I'll and I'll and I'll keep talking. But anyway, when Phoenix joined, um, she really just it was like day one, she knew and we knew. Oh, that's the Susan. This is Susan. It was just, it was right there, and um, uh, I've seen the production, as I stated before in my previous interview, uh, several times, uh, uh, close to nine or ten times, and that it really, it really hit me that the position of the black female in corporate America is relegated to many, many times to where Susan is, you know, and a, a, an entity standing kind of off to the side kind of just observing what's going on occasionally, you know, what do you think? You know, what's your thoughts? You know, that kind of thing. No uh no no direct interaction. Um and there's, it's specifically designed. I wanted to I want to get to something we've uh, received several kind of uh received several a lot of feedback about the play. Most of it good, some of it people questioning. Um but they
1: said second Jeffrey okay. if you if people could just mute when you're not speaking then um, then it'll be a little clearer um, go ahead Jeffrey.
4: Uh, what yeah. I was going to say there was a question that was posed to us at one point um, about Susan not having a last name, and I think that it's very important that Susan don't doesn't have a last name she you know she represents just that image you know a generic image initially from a white perspective of a black female or well, black people a lot of times you remember uh ralph ellison's the invisible man you know we're we're all you know you know you know well well can you describe him well he had a hoodie on and had a bag of skittles and he was dark and, and we don't know and they just you know like they just killed this young man the violin player up there in aurora colorado he had you know mental disabilities coming back with some ice cream, he had a mask on, he used to play violin to the kittens, and the police panicked, he was black, he was dark, he didn't understand what they were saying when they ran up on him, and they, they uh, killed him, damn near scared him to death, he had a heart attack. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, the the generic image of... Uh, and and we're talking about black people. We can you know we can extrapolate, and you can go out, and we can talk about other folks. You know you know like Latino people, Asians, We can talk about gay. We can talk about. But the the the, the African American black community is the canary in the mine. If you want to see where and what is happening in America right now, you have to just take that brutal eye and say, look at what they're doing to black folks. They're coming for us next. That's I mean, you need to really take a look at that, and the fact that she does the fact that Mammoth did not give her a last name speaks very loudly, and um that is one of the reasons I really, really picked this play, and it was just through serendipity and uh, that it just all of these events kind of converged at this time uh the black lives matter movement you know really picked up the pandemic everybody was stuck in the house they had to sit there and i and i was talking to the cast and said look this is we got a perfect audience man we're going to make this zoom thing work and um it was you know that's that's well you know i could go on for another hour but that's my little little input
1: <laughs> okay um let's see Richard, um, do you, would you like to um, to talk a little bit about um, you know your your character, your role, or maybe just sort of reflect on on the uh, the play and and sort of what it vote? We're talking about race and and race are is you, the are topic. Are you
5: to, to Richard May or oh, Rich Richard Wenzel?
1: Oh, Richard Wenzel, um And then um, and then Richard um, May you know please feel free and then I want to bring uh Phoenix back in as well as Robert. So. Okay. So Richard okay. uh, Mhm.
8: Thank you. Um I uh I this is my first time working with San Francisco Recovery Theater. Uh mm-hmm. and my so and my first time working with Richard and Robert and Phoenix. Uh and uh Jeffrey and I have sort of run into each other over time at various different productions, which he's seen me, in. but we actually had never, uh, worked together until this project. Uh, and, um, I was excited to be invited to audition for this partially because, uh, I like Mamet's writing quite a bit. Uh, but also because of the subject matter and because it opens up gushing, uh about uh, race in this country and racism and also sexism. Uh, having worked in in law offices, uh, I've seen the kind of social situation that happens between uh, senior partners in law firms and young associates who come in regardless of their skin color uh the law firm that i spent most of my time in was luckily was a a, a very diversified law firm so we had uh black associates and partners we had asian associates and partners some hispanic as well uh, but that's not always the case. Law is not a very forgiving industry. Uh, and it's based, the, the, the power structure in law firms uh, is very present, uh, even in one as diversified as the one that I worked in. Uh, so uh, one of one of the things that I've been made aware of in, in doing this show uh, that never occurred to me to understand or notice or realize because I'm not a person of color, uh, that Jeffrey helped me to understand. Uh, my character talks at one point when in his conversation with Susan about the shame that black people feel, I, I was not aware of that, uh, at all. Uh, but at the same time in my own personal life, uh, I grew up here in the Bay area, uh, and I'm old enough to have been in, uh, the learning institutions here in the Bay area. I mean like high school, junior high school, uh, before things like, uh, organizations that support, uh, students of color or they support, um, Uh, students who may be questioning their sexuality. So as a gay man, even growing up here in the Bay Area, I have felt different and have felt bullied and have felt excluded uh, because of that in my own self. And so I think that 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 is sort of my uh, inroad to having any understanding of what people of color go through.
3: Um,
8: certainly, uh, it's made me more empathic, I think, throughout my whole life uh, about that. Uh, but I've, I've been very glad to be a part of this production uh, and,
3: uh,
8: and hope that uh, hope that we can continue it once uh we're out of shelter and don't have to perform it on Zoom and can do it in the real world um and see what happens mm
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah. yeah thank you Uh phoenix yes yeah um we can... Hello? Continuing to have a conversation about about the play and about your character and topics and um you know we've talked about some of the the lines and mm. some of the difficulties in portraying uh the character. I don't know if you mentioned whether or not you had any any difficulty embodying um uh susan um yeah, so we're just and also the whole idea of race and, and thank you so much, uh Richard. I uh, went so far bringing up, you know, sexism as well. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um Susan is holding a whole lot in, in her her singular <laughs> role uh at that firm and also as being the uh the archetype for womanhood, right? I mean like all things
6: womanhood. <laughs> yeah,
3: absolutely.
6: All things, all female, things women are going you know. at Susan mm-hmm. and I also throw it at me on my everyday life. Um, being a black woman you have to work doubly hard because people are going to be prejudiced against you from day one and expect more from you I don't know what that is but that's just the way that it is and so Susan has to be doubly on her game she knew exactly this is my portrayal of Susan she knew exactly what she was getting into when she applied for the job I almost even think she put down the wrong vacation spot on purpose because their motto is being tough and ripping off the band-aid and basically not really caring about basic human rights just you know typical lawyers wanting to win so I believe that Susan came in with that mindset and that's why she's kind of quiet in the beginning she's absorbing and just kind of seeing how far they'll take it and um There's a line where Jack Lawson says, uh, he says, so he didn't rape her. He says, I don't care. I I fucking like it. We've got a case. And in that moment, I realized that this woman is not going to get justice unless there's a little push, a little help. And the reason I applied to that law firm is to allow the little guy or the person that gets least represented to have a fighting chance. And I believe that's why Susan got into law school in the first place, and then started working at Lawson and Brown. Lawson and Brown. Um, in terms of Recovery Theater, this is my first project with them. I actually—have um, I known you guys three, three months, three, four months now? Yeah, I think so. Oh, we're all on mute. Yes, yeah, three, four months. And I came across uh, Jeffrey on Facebook. And um, prior to this, I had been promoting myself as an artist. I actually have a song out now called Stop Killing Us. And so it's all very timely, and I released that in February. And it's um, so very timely, and nothing happens on an accident, because we started this six months ago. And, yes, it seems like it's perfect timing, like we did it on purpose with the state of the world right now, but it was just serendipitous because we started six months ago, so we're just right on time. No planning, just right on time, and it was just, um, it was perfect. It was. It's an honor to be a part of this production that raises questions and, and starts a conversation, a conversation that needs to be had, a conversation that we can no longer avoid, and no matter the, the time period in which this was written, is which I've been trying to figure out, and I haven't been able to get a... Um, a concrete answer and I've come to the conclusion that it doesn't matter because it's still very relevant no matter what time period it is because we've been fighting the same battle for the last 100, 300, 400 years and it's just uh, it's perfect. I am very happy to be here. I'm very happy to represent for women, for women of color, for a bald black woman <laughs> who stands strong in her <laughs> conviction and, and knows you know, what's right and what's wrong. I don't, Susan does not hate white people. Susan is aware of how white people are. I don't want to couple anyone into a group, but it seems to be um, a large majority. And, I mean, it's just a way of thinking. You don't know how to think any other way if you were never taught. So it raises questions of how to think differently. And it's just, it's incredible that the universe sends you messages right when you need them. And if you're smart, you'll listen. If not, you'll get it again. So apparently this needed to be heard. And so I'm grateful to be a voice or a catalyst to deliver this message.
1: Yeah.
5: Hey there, can yeah, I jump so, in?
1: Um, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, certainly. Go ahead. I'll hold my question. Go ahead.
5: <laughs> Oh, okay. Uh, sorry about that. I, I just wanted to, to uh, circle back to uh, my relationship with uh, Robert. Um, he had mentioned that we had met uh, through the open mic circuit. And um, I found that the, the open mic circuit to be very talented. There are just scores of people out there that, that you know, are just incredibly talented And I was always trying to bridge those two worlds from, from working in theater uh, with the people that work in open mics. And this, and I have to say that Robert is hilarious. If you ever catch his his act, I mean, it's, it's just the the funniest thing you've ever seen. Uh, But, but yeah, I, I was always trying to bridge those two gaps. And, um, Robert was the one that, that answered the call. Uh, Jeffrey and I had spoken. We, we work out at the same gym, and we had, we had spoken about trying to do different projects. And when this one uh, was brought to my attention by Jeffrey, at first I poo-pooed it. and I said, no, nah, I don't want to do that. But then, you know, the more I read it, I realized, oh, wow, this is a really good uh, play, a really good part for me. And it's an opportunity for me to, to you know bring in some people that I know that I wanna work with. So I, I look at this this whole uh, uh production as an opportunity uh to bring people together um and to have these, these really meaningful conversations. And um I'm really thankful for uh Jeffrey and my castmates. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow thanks
1: um i wanted to ask um ask phoenix uh if you could tell us a little bit more about your your song uh, Stop killing us actually i found it and uh maybe we could end our end our, our conversation with with your song if if it if you think it's appropriate cuz i haven't heard it um and uh but also i wanted to if you want to talk a little bit about yourself cuz i don't remember if you told us a little bit about um yeah, yourself as an artist, you know, give us a little biographical information.
6: Okie-dokies. Hi, my name is Phoenix. I am from San Francisco, California. And this was actually my first straight acting play because I've, uh, I'm have i a musician, first and foremost, a, a creative artist. And um, I've done... Although I've been acting since I was three, since I've done some Broadway, I was in a musical group when I was 17. And from that group uh, going back I did Hairspray on Broadway for a year or so and then the tour but then I joined a group when I was 17 and 20 years later I reconnected with the producer and we created Stop Killing Us which is uh, I hold near and dear to my heart it was when the Philando Castile murder was caught on um, tape that this song was brought to me And the the lyrics are, stop killing our babies while we teach, stop killing the people that look like me, the time is right now to stand and fight, unite, let's get it right. I'm also a school teacher, and so a lot of the school shootings were going on. And one morning on my walk, it just kind of hit me like a brick, and this song just came spewing out. And that was in February, long before the George Floyd incident the Ahmad a very incident, and it just, once again, the universe is so right on time, and I'm just grateful to have this single out right now, and it really promotes uh, unity and community and coming together. Yes, we have these issues, um, but we can't get through them unless we're going to do something about it together, being all people, all of humanity. And so I'm just grateful that this Peace was brought to me uh, to kind of solidify my role in my community. I, uh, I believe that the first part of the battle is raising awareness. If you don't know you're in a battle, then how can you fight it? So I'm all about raising awareness, and if I can do that through my music or through my acting, then I'm all about it.
3: <laughs>
6: mm. And so moving forward, my next uh, single, I'm all about positivity and, and being your own badass and knowing that you are strong and that you can get through anything. So my first single was not built to break. The second one is stop killing us. And the third and final one from the album is called you can't F with me. Um, and I'm a sword wielding uh, black Panther activist in the music video. So uh, starting a conversation, making a change racism is real and it needs to be talked about. Sexism is real. And it needs to be talked about. And, killing of our children and, and sex trafficking. Everything that is really going on needs to be talked about. And I music is a universal language, universe, one one language and it's the pretty much in my gut feeling the only way that everyone can be reached at once is through music mm-hmm. at the same time. So that is part of who I am. And I've been doing it since I was a very little girl. My dad, uh, is a musician played for Lena Horne he, her musical director And my mom was going to play with Harry Dalafonte so it's in my blood to be vocal, musical and, and forthright and, and a catalyst of
1: change
5: mm.
1: um. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you Phoenix I just wanted to mention uh, I did earlier today but I don't think you all were on yet Um, that uh, there's a uh, 2020 Black Women's Virtual March tomorrow at at 10 o'clock. Yeah, yeah, and then at 6, there's a a Black Girl Magic uh, Mixer Party. And um, so I'm like, wow, you should know about them, and they should know about you. Yeah, yeah. Yes, um, absolutely.
0: Yes,
1: yes. Yeah, so um, how how do people uh, just sort of follow you and learn about your music? And then I want everyone else to give... Give your your websites or your Facebook, whatever, so people can you know, you know follow Absolutely. you and find out you know where you where you're going to be showing up next. And hopefully you'll be able to do this play again live for people that missed it. But yeah, Phoenix, how do people uh, hear your music and and get in touch with you?
6: Okay, well right now I am a an artist who has started a business called face masks by phoenix and you can find me oh. on Instagram. So my music and my face masks. so uh, the way that I can contribute during this pandemic is to l- allow people to be fashionable and safe. And um, I'm on phoenix p h o e n y x underscore music at instagram. And my songs are worldwide, so if you just go to uh, whatever your marketplace is, Spotify, Apple Music, and type in Phoenix with the Y, these songs will absolutely come up. Uh, the webpage will be up again maybe in about a month, but Instagram is the best place to get a hold of me. And right now, there's actually a new company called Sue, T-S-U. It's a new social universe, and that's where I'm posting a lot of my music and just kind of what I'm doing I'm moving forward. I'm in a transition phase right now, and so I'm just kind of, you know, putting my fingers in everything I can get and everything that's brought to me just to see what sticks. <laughs> mm. Mm-hmm. So okay. Phoenix cool. underscore music at Instagram. Just go there. That's the best place to find me.
1: Okay. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, so Richard May.
0: yes ma'am
1: yeah i I think you wanted you had something you wanted to say, and um so anyway, I giving you the giving you the floor um, presently
5: sure sure um well um you know there has been some criticism uh, not that much uh but but there has been some criticism of of the play um and and I just I just feel like like if you really you know come to the play with an open mind, um, no matter if you're you know what your race is or your sex, um, you're going to uh, get something positive out of it. Um, that's about it, I, I suppose. Um, I don't really do much social media. I. I do uh, have a YouTube channel where I, I post a lot of monologues. That's, that's my main uh, art form is, is the monologue. Um, I love doing those. Um, so, uh, yeah, and also, uh, yeah, come to the open mics, the virtual open mics, um, and hopefully when we come out of the lockdown, uh, people will will, you know, embrace uh, uh, the the culture and and the art maybe uh, the one good thing to come out of this lockdown is is that people you know start to think more about what's important in their lives and in their country and in their culture so I'll, I'll mm-hmm. leave it at that
1: yeah well you might want to come back after my next question uh, <laughs> but I was wondering if if you all could um could send me um you know, links to um, the virtual um, monologues and to your to your um, um, Instagram link, uh, Phoenix and Absolutely.
3: to whatever else
1: you're doing. If you could send if you could send to me then I can, you know, post it uh, in the description if people can find it a little easier. Um Thank Yeah, you. yeah. But I was just thinking your play uh opened on Juneteenth, which is, you know, Black Freedom Day, right? Uh, that's when Africans yes. in, in Texas found out they had been free for a minute and, and you know the white folks had told them. And and I know in Texas when you're there for Juneteenth, white folks need to stay home. You know, you need to like like put some you know, lock your doors. Uh you shouldn't be walking around. Uh Because really? <laughs> it's serious. Those you know, those Africans, they remember like we don't forget things and, and we really remember uh-huh. that. Uh, I'm not Texan, I I'm from Louisiana. Um, but, you know, I'm not far from Texas. And and so exactly. I just wanted to talk about that, like Juneteenth and race, right, like juxtaposition of, you know, um, <laughs> San Francisco recovery and recovery, and you could talk about recovery. Mar- Mar- Marvin X. says that we're all in recovery from something, right? Like, you know, we're all addicted to something. So just thinking about okay. recovery. And recovering and recovering, recovering and recovering. So and then, you know, like freedom. Wow. And then we got race here on the other side. They seem like they're kinda uh sort of antagonists. And and then, um, um and then this coming weekend, um, is, you know, Independence Day and then we have, you know, Frederick Douglass, you know, um you know, what to the American slave is the 4th of July? That's coming up this next week, right? Next Friday. Yeah. Next Friday is the 3rd. And the next next Saturday is the 4th of July, as a friend of mine uh, likes to say. So so anyway, I just wanted to allow um, you to reflect, reflect on that a little bit. Yeah, that's uh, Sister Nehonda. I love her. Who's it. a member of the AACRP, uh, um, Kwame Ture's organization. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, and then I wanted to um, mention, uh, Richard. Um, you know, um, I wanted to, um, Richard Winslow, to um, to congratulate you on the 50th anniversary of of, um, of um, Gay Pride, which is
0: this
1: oh, thank year. you. Yeah. Okay. Thanks so, so much. I'm just putting all Oh, you're welcome. So that's all in the pot. So um, whoever you know um, wants to like. Say something. This is how we're going to go out, and we're going to play Phoenix and Stop Killing Us. That's going to be the song.
3: (laughs) I'd like
1: to
3: hear
4: Phoenix's Phoenix's song. This is Jeffrey Greer. I just wanted to, once again, give kudos to the cast and the work that they're doing. And, um, you know, it's always a process, and it's always development. We're just going to keep it going. Uh, Look more for us. We'll be doing more things, bigger and better and greater. Um, I'm going to have to get off pretty soon, too, because i got another uh, podcast i got to get on real quick. But um, yeah. I want to thank you, Wanda, for uh, having us and giving yeah, us the uh, platform and the opportunity. Um, this, once again, I want to just say that this play always elicits deep discussion and a deep dive. I mean, there's so uh-huh. many different ways people look at it and uh, perceive it. And um, I received all sorts of stuff, you know, uh, you know, black and white, you know, black, black folks. And why are you going to do the white man's play on Juneteenth? Well, he wrote some good shit, you know, excuse my language. <laughs> 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 and, and, and you know, then white folks are like, well, it's, it's you know, I mean, I can't. Oh, my goodness. Says, There's so many different words. It's in the N word and miscegenation. And, it's this and, and did you know he's this, he's that? I said, listen. The craft, as I said earlier in my earlier uh, piece, you know, as a black theater company, as black people, we are often given scraps. And that's what we were given to work with. And we take these, this material that we were given and we create a fine dining experience. Yes, uh, and that's,
0: I love that.
4: That's, that's what we do. And that's what we've done. And that's what we will continue to do. Anyway, I love you all. Um, I want to, I'm going to sign off. I'll be love listening back. to Phoenix's song. You guys go ahead and keep talking if you want to talk, but I'll see you later.
6: Okay.
1: Thank you. Thank you. All right. Have a good day. Love you Bye-bye. back. Bye. Okay.
0: Bye-bye. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: So, cool. so then if you all, um, you know, want to have a, you know, a, a final say around what I just put in the pot, you know, or something else you might want to um, reflect on. Around, around play, um, around your character, you know, whatever you you still call to to share, you know, please feel free to do so. Anyone, anyone? <laughs> Go ahead, Sandy. <laughs> uh,
6: oh, I really didn't have much to add on to it. Uh, oh, you you watched the play. Let me ask you a question. Do you think she did it? Okay. When you walked away from the play, do you think Susan had anything to do with the final straw of exposing the sequins mm. underneath the bed? What was your takeaway? Um,
1: it it sort of it was really interesting how it kind of all fell together after, you know, the two partners had their brainstorm. And then next thing you know it mm-hmm. they're being sabotaged. and since there are no coincidences um i'm not i'm you know i was i hadn't i hadn't thought that that Susan might have um undermined you know sort of the plan um but mm-hmm. but I know that susan you know the character she was really she she had a real strong sense of conviction um there's a whole thing mm-hmm. you know that she kept on banting around with um with uh with Jack Lawson, why did you hire me if you knew I lied? You know, that yeah, that question, exactly. you know? Yeah, yeah. Was, so so that was um you know, so I don't know. Um I'm thinking, yeah, I think I think she was capable of of, of doing it. Um mm-hmm. but I don't know if she did or not, but there's suspicion <laughs> thrown on her. You know, but there's there's suspicion yeah. thrown on her period. I think that's the suspicion is is bigoted and is racist and is sexist, you know, to throw From the jump, suspicion exactly. on her. Yeah, and From and, the then, very and then to hire her and know that she's a liar, right? So you're hiring someone mm-hmm. you know that person's a liar. How can you trust a liar? You can't trust a liar. You can't. So we kind of like in this, this this sort of this this uh, philosophical um uh, trap. Exactly. You know, um, exactly around around Susan. She has. She has no credibility. (laughs) Yeah, there you uh, go.
6: (laughs) She was a liar when she got there, so she's going to continue. But her lying is, you know, to find what she does. Yes, (laughs) (laughs) exactly. I came to you this way, and so yeah, (laughs) I probably am lying right right now. Yeah, because she's (laughs) Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah, cool. so it's interesting, Very but
1: I cool. love that I red wondering. dress. That red dress with okay. sequence, it is just like, like you know, like of all the outfits, right? A red dress with yes. like, okay, what? What's the? What, yeah, what's the uh, you know, sort of metaphor are we making there, right? You know, we've got like just, just, you know, the stuff happening in the universe that is America, but it's also like bigger than that. And and we it's have his, is is she is she the sun is the is the sequin red dress is that the sun what what is this you know is it some kind of star like I'm Mars falling I'm like what is it <laughs>
6: <laughs> there's a lot to be discovered absolutely totally yeah totally. and I would think yeah. <laughs> I actually said to the cast like people might actually think that's me in that red dress because I I might have one in my closet.
0: Mm-hmm. I Woo-hoo! thought
3: that <laughs> yeah I was like what's the secret
1: like how did she hook up
3: with I know.
1: Um, you know with Charles Strickland and like, he didn't recognize her because all black women look alike right all black people look alike black women. But, you know right you know the black
6: ones <laughs> yeah so it's kind of you know just generalizing us it's fine mm-hmm. you know <laughs> right, that, that right.
7: photograph that photograph on the book cover of the of the red dress of the the sequins mm-hmm. it's you know it's quite sensationalistic. It's uh, yeah. Not all the it it is, not is. all the book it covers is. are like that. It's really eye-catching, <laughs> uh, mm-hmm.
6: <laughs> exactly. it eye
1: catching. Exactly. Eye catching, eye
0: candy, mm-hmm. all that. Yeah.
6: All all yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So he did a great job it definitely got your attention and made you think, mission
1: accomplished, whatever. Yeah, whatever. Hey, can, I,
5: I mean. can I say something about the language? Oh, please. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. So um, I have an aversion uh, to the N-word, and I have mm-hmm. actually uh, dropped out of productions in the past because of what I thought uh, was gratuitous use of the word, and uh, that was one of the reasons where I initially told Jeffy that I wasn't interested in doing this play, but the way it's used in this play, it's so integral to, to the issue. I mean, it's actually the, the use of the N-word is, is a reveal, and it's a plot twist in this play. So uh, ordinarily, I, you know, I don't like using the N-word. I mean, I don't. I refuse to say it. Uh, and it's never been said in my household, even as a child. Uh, but um, so, so what, I guess what I'm trying to say is that in certain contexts, it's all about context, you can take an offensive word and at least unpack it a little bit. Uh, I'm not mm-hmm. of a proponent of like, well, we can take it back, you know, that's that's a whole nother conversation. Um I'm not a real proponent of that. But I understand again that, you know, it's part of uh our reality here in America. And and you know the the N word it's 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 interesting because um it's one of the the, the most derogatory words not only in the English language, but I would venture to say that at least 75% of the population in the world understands what you mean when you say that word. And so it's a word that transcends the English language uh, in a lot of ways, uh, which is unfortunate, but, you know, um, it is what it is. And, and um, I, I just wanted to, to talk about that because, People that, that know me well, you know, they're surprised that I'm I'm in this play. Um, but I guess this is kind of like an explanation to, to those people to say, well, yeah, I'm still the Richard that you know and love and respect, but, um, you know, I did this play because it needed to be done. Um, and it is serendipitous because, yeah, you know, six months ago, You know, we still, you know, have, like, you know, people like Eric Garner and and that sort of thing. Um, But, yeah, the the timing is just unbelievable. So I think Phoenix is on to something when she talks about thanking the universe uh, for the opportunity to do this. Yeah, it's incredible.
6: Uh, Let me – can I tack on to the end of that um, with the use of the N-word? He said it is a word, and it does carry so much weight, but I've learned um, just in my own self-growth that you give a word as much power as it deserves, and a word can only hurt you if you allow it. And yes, it is a very hurtful word, but I know that people use it with intentions to hurt me, so therefore I deflect it, and I don't even... It carries... Nothing It's a non-factor I know it's a huge thing But I can't continue to Allow it to take me out of myself You know, because that is a trigger they, People who use that word Know that it triggers us They know that it makes us angry So I'm not going to Allow the expected to happen Any longer I'm not doing it So yes, that word is, is heavy And you can feel it But I refuse to carry it anymore so,
1: mm-hmm. but
6: yeah. to each of them, yeah. it's an individual effect.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I want to add something for people who um, uh, might not know. I, I watched this um, really provocative um, lecture in, um, by uh, Jeffrey Robinson, the ACLU's top racial justice expert. And, and the, okay. uh, the lecture uh, that I watched on YouTube is called The Truth About the Confederacy in the United States, full version.
2: Uh-huh. And, and in the, uh-huh. uh,
1: this particular talk, he discusses uh, the history of the Confederate symbols across the country and, uh, and our lives and what we can do to learn from our past, combat, combat systemic racism. And it's very, very well done. And, uh, and it was 2017 that he gave this particular lecture, and he can update it now. But it's really, really uh-huh. great. Um, and so I want highly me recommend me it for folks. Um, his name is I can I'll I'll, um, I'll send you a link to it but uh, okay perfect <laughs> uh, <you. laughs> it's called the truth about the Confederacy in the United States full version because I guess there are excerpts of it but the but the person okay. the attorney his name is Jeffrey Robinson G E excuse me mm-hmm. J E F F E R Y not like our other Jeffrey uh, who um, yeah,
0: right? <laughs> Jeffrey
1: Greer yes okay. it's, it's he's spelled with a J and he's the ACLU's top racial justice expert and so he's he's pretty well known and respected but it's it's really well done um uh exploration of of the confederacy and 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 how it was about upholding slavery because it was it was an economic boon and it's just oh yeah and you see it everywhere all of it, he talks about these monuments and you know, from Stone Mountain, and and a lot of these particular iconic references that are supposed to be things that um, are, you know, sort of monuments to um, to our nation, were they're not old. They have been erected like the 60s and the 70s. You know, they're not like they've been around. You know, since the beginning right Thousands after the, years. the, the yeah. Civil War. They they've been They're, they're recent. And so anyway, it's really yeah. well done. I highly recommend. It. I think you all would really, really appreciate it. Um, but you. anyway, um, other, other, other closing comments. I'm Emily. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for having
0: us. Yeah. You're welcome.
1: You're welcome. Thank you. All righty. Um, yeah, well, I hope you all I hope you all get a chance to mount race again, for those that missed it. And uh, I really wish I had been able to uh, – I didn't know there was going to be a and a because I was at another play, but it ended in time for me to come to the Q&A, but I didn't know what happened, and it, and it wasn't a oh, part yeah. of the rebroadcast. Yeah, yeah. So I hope I hope you do, so it, again do it again in that Q and A Q&A so I so I could see what the audience, you know, thought about the work and yeah, and I hope to see you all again as in another production um at um San Francisco uh recovery theater because you all are a wonderful ensemble and it works so well in in, in a um in uh in a virtual setting, and, yeah, once we can be physically in the theater together, that would be really nice, um, you know, a mm-hmm. place like, like that would be really hot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, yeah, yeah, so, again, send me Wonder, your information so that I can it? include yes. it with, um, you know, this uh, description, and looking forward to talking to you again and, and seeing you, um, you know, not virtually, but for real, like, Tangible, <laughs> even, if we're six feet
5: apart. <laughs> what I miss? <mask>, um, <laughs> applause. I miss the applause. <laughs> what a mask. Um, uh, I miss?
0: Uh, how should uh, I? How should
1: we reach you? What should
6: we send? Where do we send? Oh, well, our you, links what we can do
1: is, um, because you sent everything to, to Jeffrey. Um, just um, you know, ask him for my email because I don't have yours. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and I'll and I'll send you everything. I mean, you can send me. We, we can be in touch directly. Perfect. And when will this air? Oh, it's airing right now. Or, it's it's on. It's oh, live. Oh, completely, yeah, completely live. And then yes, completely live. And I send Jeffrey the link. And um, okay. And so it will be ready for downloading and sending around as soon as I play your song and we're done.
6: <laughs> I love it. I Woo-hoo!
1: love it so much. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank, oh, thank you. you Oh uh, yeah, welcome. just speaking to all of you. Keep me posted on your project. We can have you on, you know, not as an ensemble, but as individuals. <laughs> so oh, on. lovely. That would be great.
6: Great.
1: <laughs> thank you for right, taking so the time. Um yes, here is "Stop Killing Us." Oh, thank you again so much. enjoy
6: it. You're
1: welcome. <laughs> yeah, you all take care. Have a good rest of the weekend. Thank you.
0: Okay, bye you bye. too. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. Thanks for having us. Bye. Thank you for the food I'm about to receive, for the nourishment of my mind and my body. Knowledge is power, so please get your bill. The time is now, no so time to kill. They are shooting us. They are killing Thank you.